everyone. I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi everyone, Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing. Welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today I have with me Corby Mitleid. Corby is a certified tarot master, a psychic medium, teacher, and ordained minister. Reading for almost 50 years, she's a full-time intuitive counselor with clients worldwide. Corby is a featured channel in Robert Schwartz's breakthrough series on karma and pre-birth planning, your soul's plan, your soul's gift, and the upcoming Your Soul's Love. So welcome, Corby. It's good to be here. Thanks for asking. Yes, I'm so glad. I'm so happy to have you here. So can you share some of your story and the path that's brought you here? All right, this is what I cheerfully call my 30-second elevator speech. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary, or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world. I wanted to go find it. Fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school. And yes, that tells you how old I am. I was uh, working part-time at a store called Spencer Gifts. They had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it. I mean, we were all hippies then. We had our elephant bell bottoms and we had our fringe jackets and we had our decks. Five years later, everyone else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading the cards. I found them fascinating. So I read for friends for 20 years, practicing keeping my channel clear. All of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when the universe said, hello, greetings, here's your draft notice, you're working for us. I did it part-time until 9-11 when I saw the towers burn and I turned to my husband and I said, I need to do the work full-time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. So for one more year, I worked corporate, did the psychic on the side. After one year, jumped into this full-time and I've never looked back. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I know... I know a number of psychics, and so I find it interesting when you can actually, you make that your full-time, not that you can, but that you do make it your full-time because mm-hmm. it takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot out it of you. It does. You've so. got to have your boundaries. You really, really do. Um, and you do have to treat it as a business. Um, one of the reasons I'm successful is I straddle the twin mountains of WikiWoo, and business practices. That's how you can be in this long term. Right. Yeah, I think that's really, that's really important. And so what then does healing with creativity mean to you? One of the things I teach people is you are your own best healer. I can help, I can be a facilitator, but I haven't lived your crises, dealt with your challenges. So it is important that everyone that I work with I look at absolutely fresh. Some people love humor 
and my allegories and my stories. I mean, I've done stand-up comedy on you think it's easy to be a psychic, but some people find offense at that and they want you to get very, very serious with them. Or there are other people who are so terrified that you need to bring them along like this. So the creativity is literally in the moment. What can I do to reach inside literally with my spiritual key and turn on this person's engine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. And I think that's a really important point because when people think of psychics, they, they're they either like they absolutely believe or they absolutely don't believe. There's not a lot of in between. And, mm-hmm. and so that there's a lot of fear there, isn't there? And how do you, there how is. do you overcome that fear? Well, for one thing, I don't come across as a Madam Hoo-ha or a Swami Swalanda. Um, and I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to meet a guy with blue eyes and a limp in a bar. I'm very practical. My whole gig is here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it and around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. I will hand you the toolbox. I'm not your repairman. Mm-hmm. And I remind people that even the best of us are only 85% accurate. The only one 100% accurate is God. And he doesn't have a booth at the psychic grade this week. When they realize that you know that you're human, or as one of my favorite sayings go, I'm not someone who thinks her aura don't stink, they relax. Mm -hmm. You also encourage them not to do yes or no's. If they come to me and say, is my new business going to be a success? I will look at them and say, and what if I said no, and you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge? That's the wrong question. I teach them to ask the empowering ones. And then we do a multi-level terror spread. We go deep dish into their past lives. We give them tools. I'm not their answer book. And that gives them confidence. And I think that's a really important point too, because a lot of people think you you know everything and then you're just going to give them the answer, but they still have to do the work, don't they? There's something called free will. Mm-hmm. I can see something happening, but if your free will says, oh yeah, I'll show her she's wrong, you're going to win, guys. It's just the way it is. Yeah, so. absolutely. So then what inspires you in the work you do? Those dawn breaks over Marblehead moments. Um, I am a past life specialist. One of the things I explain is spirit uses what's in the pantry. For instance, pendulums are really neat. They are crystals on chains that you get yes or no answers. I can't use one because I have a slight benign tremor in my hand, so I can't trust it. But I was a theater major and an author and a storyteller, and I adore history. So spirit sees all that and says, we bet you'd be really great at doing past life retrieval. So where another psychic might say, well, I see you in a big hat and a long skirt, you're old fashioned. I have the ability to go, okay, hobble skirt, picture hat, that kind of ostrich feather, and I see you in front of the Brandenburg Gate. We're talking 1911 or 1912 Berlin. Which one's going to give you more information? Mm -hmm. When you dive into what you love, spirit will just keep feeding it to you. That is so true. That is so true. And now you touched on this at the beginning about, you know, the business and the the woo. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So... One of the things about healers and creatives is that, you know, we get questioned about monetizing. So what are your thoughts on that? 
Hot See button. You Hot button. Um, putting on my glasses so I can read. This has all of it. You've got the magic who needs a genie and it's everything I learned from being on the road. And one of the chapters in here is specifically how to charge what you're worth. Because I've had people come up to me and say, well, you're not doing anything. Why don't you do a reading for less? Or can my girlfriend and I have a reading, but we only pay for one? Or um, I'd really like a reading, but I can't afford it. And they stare at you. Or why don't you do a free reading for me? And then I'll tell everyone you're good if you are. Or my favorite, why won't you do a free reading for me? You're not very spiritual, are you? Okay. Change the professions. Hairdresser. Hey, you're not cutting anybody right now. Cut my hair for half price. Plumber. Why don't you fix my sink and put in my dishwasher for one call? Cleaning lady. Why don't you clean my house a few times? And if you're good, I'll tell people. Retail store. I really want that dress for my party, but I don't have the money. Or the doctor. Why won't you see me for free? You're not really very compassionate. You want me to die, don't you? And people look at you when you give them those examples and they say, how idiotic. And look at the reality. You want to have me doing this full time? Great. Let's take a look. I used to do a four day show in Kitchener, Ontario. I love my Canadians. But that would mean leaving here in upstate New York on Thursday, driving eight to 10 hours, getting to my B&B on Thursday night. Then I load in Friday uh, for Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday, which is about $1,000 for the show fee and my meals and the hotel and paying my front person and then coming back another eight to 10 hours. No, I can't read you for free because just doing that show cost me about $2,500 to do it. So when you realize this is a business and just like the plumber, the hairdresser, et cetera, you have absolutely every right to charge, you will do that. It is a matter of respect. Do I sometimes barter? Yeah. Do I sometimes do a pro bono? Yes, when spirit says. If someone comes up to me and says, this looks really good, but I don't have the money this time, and spirit does this, I'll say, wait a minute. Look, I can't read you here at the show because this is where I make my living. But if you call me on this day at this time, I will read you for free. That's fair to them and me. And I could say that eight times during a show and only one will call me. That's the one who really needed it. Everybody else was trying to get a bargain or it was just impulse. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. I love, I love your, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word. That clarity. Did. Your clarity. clarity in that. That's exactly it. Your clarity in that. Because I've had this discussion with a lot of people and you're, you are just so clear. And I love that. Yeah. I was on the road for 18 years, 45 shows a year. My nickname was the Travel Channel. Trust me, I learned it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say you are the proudest of in your life? That I've learned to live the examined life. The examined life is when something happens to you. And instead of having the pity party, you say, well, this sucks. All right. How do I get through it? What did I learn? How can I teach? The example I use is um, I'm a three-time cancer dancer. Notice I don't say fought cancer because what you fight fights back. I am not a survivor because I do a lot more than hang on by teeth and toenails. 
Mm -hmm. A cancer dancer finds out how graceful they can be under pressure, avoids getting their toes stepped on, and gets off the dance floor in one piece. So I've taught with that. I'm proud of the fact that I can learn and move forward. Mm -hmm. That change may not be fun, but it's been a constant companion in my life. So I've learned how to work with it. Yeah, I love that because it's true. Change is so, um, it's going to happen, right? And so you can Mm -hmm. either work with it or you can fight it and Mm -hmm. you decide. Nature says what doesn't change dies. Your choice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what then would you say is the creative healing modality that you use the most for yourself? I write. Words are my drug of choice. Um, We live in the middle of a 12 acre hayfield surrounded by mountains in upstate New York. I go outside and I breathe. And um, I highly recommend owning a Maine Coon cat, especially one of the 26 pounders like me, because the creative part is A, can you catch him? (laughs) B, can you convince him to sit in your lap? But it gets you out of your own head. It doesn't mean you have to connect with another person who's going to talk to you or ask you questions or maybe get you to do a session with them. It is just this unconditional little being who is perfectly happy to share space with you. Mm-hmm. What that does is that takes my mental etch-a-sketch, if you all remember that toy, and does this, clears it, so I can come back fresh. I love that. I love that. I, writing for me is so important, but also getting out in nature. I don't have a Maine Coon cat, but uh, pets, I think, are really mm-hmm. important as well. Yes. <laughs> so, and for sure. So if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would it be? I know exactly what it is, but I'm, I'm trying to find the words for it. Our society no longer has any compassion whatsoever. It's rage and hate and greed, at least south of the border. I don't know how bad it is up in Canada. Mm, yeah. But it is the, compa- the greed that started in the 1980s, looking out for number one, greed is good, all of that. I am appalled at the fact that I know people who have food in their pantries that they bought for the pandemic and it's just sitting there and they don't want to give it away. They'll sell it on eBay or Amazon, but there's a food pantry down the street where people are starving and they won't give it away. The difference between pity and compassion. Pity is when you look down, oh, that's such a shame. Compassion is I am you. And if people had more compassion, the I am you might open their hearts up more. Yeah. And yeah, I love that because, you know, they say that the majority of people are one paycheck away from being homeless or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, without food or whatever, but they don't look at that as, as being something that could happen to them. Right. Because they've, they've lost that connection somehow. And yet down here, when you'd see the two mile long food pantry, lines, you would see people in Lexus cars, you would see people in Cadillacs, you would see people in BMWs, because the pandemic swept across the board. So I hope it was a wake up call for a lot of them. Remains to be seen. 
Yeah. We'll see what, when we come out the other side of it, I guess. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So you seem very sure of yourself. I, I think that comes with age. And Took a while. Do. And age. Yes. <laughs> yes. Have you, you better ever have learned struggled? something by 66, honey, let me tell you. <laughs> have you ever struggled with imposter syndrome? And if so, how did you do. dealt with it? Still do. Okay. Still do. Um, most times, no. But I look at people who can do the mediumship. You know, um, the best medium I ever saw, dear friend, she's uh, crossed over now. Her name is uh, Allie Cheslick. We used to call her Chatty Cappy of the Dead because it's like someone would say, I'd like to, and you'd push the button and Allie would just go. Now I do mediumship too. I do it differently. Um, I use what I call their dog tags. For instance, my father, Jerome Richard Dorkin, who died in 2001 at the age of 80. And that gets me directly into things. But the ability to just connect immediately, be absolutely sure of who you're getting, I, that was just gobsmacked to me. It really was. Um, I think that anybody who does this work and accepts that it's not really them will often wonder, am I really hearing this? Am I really giving them this or? But I will admit that I have enough that I have done especially in terms of mediumship, that I can't doubt that I get it. Um, my guides tend to play charades with me. For instance, this person smoked, this person smoked weed, this person had surgery, this person was in an accident. I don't know where they come up with it, but that's what it's been for years. And there were two readings I had up in Hamilton, Ontario. And all of a sudden I find myself miming a pool cue the woman next to me bursts into tears. She had wanted to speak to her father-in-law who had taught her to play pool. There was another one who wanted to speak to her grandfather and my hand does this. Now, in America, we do this to salute. Brits and Canadians do this. She was a member of the RCMP and he was acknowledging that even though he had died before she had gone in. Now, I don't know that, I can't make this. It's not here, it's a rose they love you. So I have to assume that that's their dead person saying, tell them this and then step away. Because the other thing about imposter syndrome, it means your ego is getting in the way. If my ego starts wondering, is this really right? I go off into a ditch. If I just assume that I'm being told to tell them that a plaid rutabaga is the answer to their question, and it turns out that's the kind of toy they had when they were six, then you just say it and you trust the universe is doing what it's doing. You have to keep your ego off the table. Yeah. And that I think that's really an important note about ego and how it gets in our way so often. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So do you have an inspirational quote or motto that you live by? I have a couple. Uh, the first one is uh, what I call my sentence of passion. Your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even how you do it. It's your vapor trail so that you leave it behind in every encounter. And when you go skidding into heaven on bald tires and fumes in the tank and God hands you a beer and says, so you go, look at this. So mine is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B, when they thought they couldn't make it, whack them on their shoulder, say, here are your wings. You don't need a plate plan. Now get 
I'm living my bliss. The other ones I live by, one of my favorites from the science fiction author, Robert Heinlein, in life, moderation is for monks, take big bites. And um, the other one that I teach people is fear versus fame. Fear equals false evidence appearing real. Fame is full acceptance means everything. Do you want to be fearful and famous? And they get that. Mm, I love that. I love that. Absolutely. So I know you, you have a book, right? That you You have three books. Okay. Three books. <laughs> One. So actually you can get a free chapter of all three of them. Okay. All you have to do is go to my website and you'll see them. The first one, the first one I wrote is Clean Out Your Life Closet, which is actually self-help, clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and making friends with stress. Uh, But I don't tell you to do everything I tell you. You actually end up writing that book with me. The second one is The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. The whole idea is good psychic guidance is art. Don't settle for a forgery. And that's the book that'll tell you how to find a good psychic, how to stay safe, questions you can ask, questions you shouldn't. And the one that we touched on is this one, especially for anybody who wants to do the show circuit. This is all of my business acumen gained from 18 years on the road doing psychic fairs and holistic expos. And you get a free chapter of any one or actually all three. If you go to the website, first page, scroll down, you'll see where to go. Great. And we will definitely put those links for them so they can find that. So is there anything else that you'd like to add that we maybe haven't discussed today? It all starts with you. It's very hard these days not to just say, screw it in the horse you rode in on, because so much is wrong with the world. So much. And I understand why the millennials, Gen Zs, etc., look at boomers and hate our guts. Because we had potential when we were growing up. They're looking at the end of the world. You can't give up. You can't be a boomer and say, well, I've had mine, so good luck, kids. And I ask the kids not to give up either. Some of us are true elders, and we will help you. Because if we don't stick in this together, in 150 years, mankind will be in memory. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. We need to do something. Let's hope that this pandemic, when we come out the other side, we, we start to realize that. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed our conversation. To our listeners, we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day? Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.